when I had resigned from my career, I didn't work for a season and I felt the same way. And that was part of the crisis of my identity of like, am I use, useless? Do I have a purpose? Do I? And, and what I realize now, like looking back at it is I needed to go through that season because I was being equipped and molded to do the things that I am doing today. Ladies, 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 welcome to Linking Arms. I'm your hostess, Nadine McGowan. This podcast is by Purposeful Living Inc., which is a nonprofit that exists to serve the modern woman. We define the modern woman as the woman who looks like she has it all together, but behind closed doors, she's hurting, searching, or lonely. We're here to talk about real things with real women, to heal, to grow, to inspire encourage, empower you to be the woman you are created to be. We are so glad you're here. Let's get started. All right, sisters, I am here with my friend Shelly, and she has such a story to share that I think will be so beneficial about the topic of identity and a crisis in identity. So Shelly, welcome and thank you for joining us today. Hi, thank you for having me. Yeah, so let's dive right into your story. Tell us about this topic and kind of how it came about. And Well, I was a counselor um, and I, I found that it doesn't matter what age you are, it doesn't matter Um, where you come from, where you've been, everybody goes through a crisis of identity at some point in their lives. And it can look like many different things. Like you can have a woman that's um, going through a divorce and she's identified herself as a wife. um, And then she finds herself no longer in that role anymore. And she doesn't even know who she is anymore. Um, A woman who has lost a mother, who has lost a child, who doesn't have a child to care for anymore. She, she, is not filling that role anymore and she's lost. She doesn't know who she is. So a crisis of identity can come about in many ways. Yes, I think for me, I I experienced that when I left my work that I did for 14 years and I had this like identity there and it took a while to um, figure out who am I without this? Right, it happens a lot. Yeah, so I, I I love that you you're saying, hey, it can happen with like traumatic things, but it can also happen, you know, with a, a change of career or you know even like a move to a new area. Yes. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. I found I worked with kids, and I found it even happens with kids. You know, okay. it, it's just it's very common. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So let's talk more about this crisis of identity and, and, you know, you can go into your story and your story is just so powerful. So you lead us, you tell us kind of where to go next. Well, I, my crisis of identity was a little different. Um, I was diagnosed with a brain tumor about seven years ago and it was large and it was in my frontal lobe and it really played a role in my personality. And once that tumor was removed, I was literally a different person. I, my lights, likes, my dislikes, my strengths, my weaknesses, everything changed. And I had no idea who I was. And it was very unsettling and very depressing. And I felt like I had no one to turn to. And um, it just caused this very, very deep depression. And I, I think a lot of women experience depression when they go through something that, that is a crisis of identity like that. Yeah. That's probably part of 
the crisis, right? Is right. And you know, I think you said something that's really interesting to me. Of I didn't know who to turn to, or something along those lines. No, because it's hard for somebody. Well, you think at the time it's hard for somebody to understand that yeah. they'll think they're crazy when you tell them that that you're not the person you used to be anymore. Right. And and you don't think that they can possibly understand that. Yes. But the it is will understand. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Keep going. Yeah, it, it is the truth. Um, everything that happens in our lives to us changes us. And and it can change our personalities. It can change um, the way we see the world, the way we think about things. And I, it's, it's a lot, it's a lot. And, and it's hard to, to talk about that with others. Yeah. Um, and you're right. The things that happen to us do change us. And I think sometimes we try to fit the same old mold. Yes. And it's kind of like, and then, and then we get upset and frustrated and angry and depressed and sad because it no longer fits the way it used to fit. Well, we miss the person we used to be. Mm. We miss that person. And we have a very hard time letting that person go. Yes. And we try to get back to being that person. But the truth is, is we aren't that person. That's right. And you have to come to a point where you can accept that and move forward. Yeah, it's this changing and evolving and accepting. Yes. Life on life's terms, really. Yes, exactly. Because, you know, it's not like you wanted to have a brain tumor, right? I mean, that is crazy. I I can only imagine what that felt like when you found out that you had a brain tumor. Actually, you know, I had felt like something was wrong for a while. I couldn't, put, I had no symptoms. I couldn't put my finger on it. Um, but I just felt like I was dying. And um, I ended up having a grand mal seizure, which out of nowhere, which, which okay. is how they found how they found the tumor. Um, but honestly, I don't think I was surprised when they told me I think that, that somehow I knew, knew something was very, very wrong. Wow. But I think what I was surprised about is how much the tumor had defined who I was, I guess. Um, you, you start to question everything. You start to question every decision you'd ever made. Was it the tumor that made that decision or was it me? Um, especially when your personality changes so much after the tumor was removed. Um, you wonder if this is the person you are now, is that the person you were always supposed to be? Did, did the tumor shape your whole personality? My tumor had been growing for decades. So, wow. so you just, you don't, you don't know who you're supposed to be. And I think that's what you ask yourself constantly is, is the person I am now who I'm supposed to be, or was it the person with the tumor? Is that who I was supposed to be? I don't know if that makes any sense. That makes a lot of sense. You know, it's, and a couple things stood out to me from what you just said. Um, The first part that I need to point out is just like, this thing came out of nowhere. Right. Like it could have happened to, like you were just living your life. You had this feeling, right? But it's not like, there was any symptoms. It wasn't, I mean, and that could happen to anybody at any moment. Right. So it, it makes me go, let's be grateful for what we have and not take things for granted. The other thing that came up for me that you said is you started questioning everything. And what I heard you say, and correct me if I'm wrong, is, is this my fault? Like, what did I do to cause this? Yeah, I think, I think 
there's some of that, absolutely. Um, but yes, I did, and I still do at times question everything. I question every decision I have ever made in my life. Yeah. Um, especially things that I look back on and seem out of character for me now. I look back and wonder, you know, did I really make those decisions? Did I, did I really even, okay. I think all of us have things in the past that we regret. I, I think most of us have things in the, in the past that we regret doing. I would have two hands up to that. Yep. <laughs> and I look back at those things that I regret and I wonder, you know, again, was it the tumor that had me make those poor decisions or was it really me? Mm-hmm. And something like that is really, really difficult to think about because you don't want to have the tumor excuse, blame the tumor for everything that you've done in your past that you regret, but it's hard not knowing truthfully if it was really you or not. Right. Yeah. That makes sense. Um, and you know, what, what it made me think of is this questioning, this questioning piece of it. It's part, it made me think of grief, which when you have a crisis of identity and you literally have to like almost start a new identity, right? That there is grief there. There is loss there. And it made me think of the bargaining process of grief, Mm -hmm. right? Where we sit and we try to bargain and we try to question and we try to analyze and try to fix, you know? And I think that is part of the process of healing, really. Yes. Um, But but now you've come off, I want to kind of hear the rest of the story. So you found this out, and you were like, I mean, everything, it changed you. It changed the way you think. So tell me about the changes that happened and how did that show up and how did that affect your family? And well, I was, it started out just affecting my career. I was a school counselor and I loved my career. I loved my job. I loved working with the kids. And, um, I had after surgery, I had some memory loss, um, I had regular seizures that weren't controlled um, with medication, but I tried to go back to work anyway. And I noticed that every time a student would walk in my office, my heart would sink. I did not want to see them. And I couldn't explain why I felt guilty about that because I'm here, I'm supposed to be helping these kids. And all I want to do is run and hide. I, I didn't want to see kids anymore. And it took me a long time to realize that I didn't have the capacity to be a counselor anymore. That wasn't, that wasn't what I was supposed to be doing with my life anymore. Um, so then I had to look at career change, um, because I certainly wasn't going to stay in a, in a position where I couldn't be the most effective counselor I could be. Um, as far as my family, um, there was a lot of denial in that. Um, I did have memory loss and they would say, well, you told me this, or you told me that my kids would always be like, mom, you said we'd do this. We do that. I'd be like, no, I didn't. Mm -hmm. But in fact, I had, so my kids really struggled um, because, you know, when you make a promise to a child, (laughs) you have to see it through. And, Mm -hmm. and I just refused for a long time to believe that I had said and made promises that, that I couldn't remember. Mm -hmm. So, you know, that was a hard thing for my family to get through. And what's interesting, Shelly, is you brought up like another part of grief, which is denial, yes. right? Like, like that is part of it. And we just need to be, be gentle with ourselves of like, you know, that's just part of, and it was also probably part of the brain tumor of like, just forgetting. I mean, you just, 
couldn't remember. Right. Um, But I love that you came to the awareness of, you know, I wasn't supposed to be a counselor anymore and you made the shift, right. Versus beating yourself up and, and forcing it, forcing yourself to, to want to do it and need to do it because this is what you're, and you're like, okay, maybe this is a, a turn in the road, a fork in the road. Maybe this is no longer my path and you pivoted. Right. I did. And it, it wasn't quick. It wasn't quick. I was pretty miserable um, just because I felt so ineffective when I was working with kids, but I kept finding myself other things to do that were more behind the scenes. Like, um, I took on more administrative duties. I, I delegated more to the other counselors. I, I was the head of the department. So Um, I kept trying to find ways around it. And then I realized I was just avoiding doing what I was really there to do. So it was time to make the shift. Yeah. And, and, you know, I just want to, what I would want to speak out to ladies who are listening is it's okay to pivot when you're feeling led somewhere else, like pivoting is healthy and normal and good and change is okay. Um, Change is in fact, part of life. So I think that's really good. So then you, you shifted out and then tell me kind of like fast forward to today of like, and and if there's stuff in the middle that you want to share, I want to hear them too, but I want to kind of move to the next phase of the story here. Well, I went through many years not working and I really felt useless. I I don't know another word to describe it. Um, I actually went on disability because my seizures were so bad that I, I, couldn't really work anywhere. I I tried a couple of other things and they always had to call an ambulance. I'd have basically a seizure every two days, two or three days. And it was just so disruptive that, that it just wasn't worth it. So, um, I ended up going on disability and I stayed on disability for many years and really stayed at home locked, locked inside my house. I didn't have, have a lot of socialization. I became very, very depressed. Um, and then two friends came back into my life and I'm probably going to cry. So, (laughs) um, two of my childhood friends I've known since kindergarten Mm -hmm. and one had just started a foundation where, um, she was helping with, um, um, women, um, single moms, um, in transition. And she had opened a transition house and she wanted to know if I wanted to volunteer a little for her. And my first response was, oh, there's, there's no way I can't drive a car. I'm never going to drive a car again. I can't get there. Um, And she was like, you know what, Shell, I just want you to feel like you're, you're useful again. I want you you to have a purpose and I will, I will come and get you. I will drive you to volunteer. Um, if you're not feeling well one day, that's okay. We don't have to do it. You know, you, we'll just do this around your health and around your schedule. And um, I volunteered with her uh, for years. And um, now I actually work for her part-time. So she's my two friends, Joanna and Cynthia, I'm just going to say their names. Um, They're just, they saved me Um, having those women um, to support me and lift me up and give me purpose again, saved my life. Wow. That's just beautiful. And just, it speaks to the power of community and to the power of sisterhood and to the power of support and how you know, we could be in a place where we feel stuck and useless and, 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 and almost like a dark pit and, and a friend can like reach out their hand and just pull us right out. Yes. And you know, the thing is, is I haven't made it easy for them. Mm. You know, I, with my 
kind of lack of emotional control sometimes that's that's another side effect of of all of this um when i get angry or upset i i tend to lash out before thinking and and i'm doing a lot better with that um but it is a daily struggle and um i have put them through the ringer a few times and and they they accept me for who i am and and they know shelly you don't mean this you'll calm down tomorrow you'll be fine and and you'll apologize and and they're right that's that's exactly what happens but they accept me with my flaws and that's not easy that is not easy for people so i i'm just so so grateful for them that's beautiful. Thank you for sharing that. And I kind of want to back back up a little bit to the not working part. Sure. Um, when you weren't working, you felt useless. Yes. And I just I need to pause there and speak to speak to that piece because I could relate to that as well. When I had resigned from my career, I didn't work for a season, and I felt the same way. And that was part of the crisis of my identity of like, am, am I use, useless? Do I have a purpose? Do I? And, and what I realize now, like looking back at it, is I needed to go through that season because I was being equipped and molded to do the things that I am doing today. Mm-hmm. And, and number two, I wasn't useless. And I know that you aren't useless. And sometimes we like attach a career or a, you know, uh, identity to, and maybe identity is not the right word, but we, we feel like if we don't, if we're not earning a living or if we're not producing something, we don't have worth. And that is not the truth. We have worth no matter what we're doing. Uh, we have purpose regardless of where we are. And so I just want to speak that, speak that to some of the women that are listening who might be feeling that way. Yes. You know, especially when you're a person of faith, and you're having these feelings of feeling useless, you have to remember that God has a purpose for all of us. He has a purpose and you just have to find that purpose. You have to find what, what makes you feel like you're doing his work. Yes. And you know, that, that took me some time, but eventually I, I, I figured it out. I found it. He showed me the way and he sent these two wonderful women to me. And, um, yeah, it was, it's powerful. That's beautiful and powerful. And it makes me think of Jeremiah 29, 11. Um, It's one of my favorites that talks about, for I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you hope and a future. And so if you're somebody who's sitting in a space where you don't have hope and a future, if you don't know the plans and you feel useless or purposeless, I just want to speak that over you of like, God has plans for you that are hopeful and good and and you have a purpose that only you can fill. Um, It just might not be the season. You might be in a season of equipping and healing or whatever it might be, Uh, but that does not mean that you are useless or worthless. Right. So I just needed to, I just needed to pause there. Um, So tell me more, because there's, there's a part to the story that is just so impactful of how God used all of this for good. Um, and if you're willing to share with your daughter, I think it's really beautiful. Yes. Um, it was at a particularly low point a few years ago. Now my kids were teenagers when, um, when I had my tumor removed and I was the, the day that I found out I had the tumor was the day that I had had that first grand mal seizure. And I was, I was in bed and it was very early in the morning. It was probably around 5.00 AM. It was still dark outside. And I remember I woke up and I I couldn't move. I didn't know what was going on. I couldn't, 
Um, I couldn't see, I couldn't hear. Um, I tried to call out for help and nothing happened. And I just, my body was moving strangely. And I, I just didn't, I didn't know what was happening to me. And um, I basically suffocated. Um, and, oh, this is hard for me to talk about. I'm sorry. It was like drowning. And when I was finally unconscious, I, I just had decided that I, I had accepted the fact that I was dying. I, I, oh. I didn't know what was happening, but I thought this is it. This is the end. And it was actually, once I accepted that it was very calming and peaceful. I, I, I don't know. I'm going to go off into a whole nother tangent. So I'll back up. Um, but when I woke up, I was, I was shocked that I was alive. Um, and I yelled for my daughter. She was the only one home at the time. And she came running in the room and she said, she said, you know, mom, what's wrong? And I said, I need you to call 911. I said, something's happened. I'm not sure what, but I need you to call 911. So she did. And, and, you know, the story continued, got diagnosed, surgery, whatever. Well, a few years later, I was at a really, really low point and I was talking to my daughter and she's like, what's wrong, mom? And I, I'd always been really careful not to complain to the kids or, or look down or depressed. I always tried to set a good example for them. But it was a really, really bad day. And I just said, sweetie, I said, you know, I, I'm just going through something. I'm having one of these woe is me moments. I said, you know, I just wonder sometimes why things like this happen. And she said, mom, I love you. And I need to tell you something that I wanted to tell you for a very, very long time, but never knew how. She said, do you remember that morning that you called me into your room when you had had the seizure and asked me to call 911? And I said, yes. She said, I had a bottle of dad's pills in my hand when you yelled for me and I was getting ready to take them. She said, I had it all planned out. Um, I was going to take them. It was really early in the morning and I knew you wouldn't be up for a few hours. She said, I just didn't want to be alive anymore. She said, you stopped me. And then you went to the hospital and all I could think about was how scared I was and, and how, how much I wanted to be here for you. And she said, and it, it stopped me from, from killing myself. And that was really the moment of change for me. Um, that was the moment that I said, oh my gosh, you know, God had a plan. I, I, I would take this tumor a thousand times to save her life. And, and that's when I knew that I had to pull myself up and, and figure this identity thing out and figure out my purpose. And it just, it changed everything for me. Wow. I mean, that is... I have no words. Um, and thank you so much for sharing that with us because that's hard to like retalk about and relive. But I just think it speaks to the fact that like that brain tumor, which was something that looked so bad, was the thing that saved your daughter's life. And I I it's just amazing how God uses all things for good, you know, like like the worst of things can be used for good. Right. The timing of that thing. That's God. I mean, yes. the timing I could, that brain tumor had been growing for decades yeah. and it picked that morning to become necrotic or hemorrhage or whatever it was doing that, that at that very moment that she was getting to swallow, ready to swallow those pills. I mean, wow. that's God. That's God. Yeah. Um, it makes me think of, of a scripture in Genesis 
that I clung to for so long. And I won't get the exact words right because I wasn't even prepared to share it, but um, it's towards the end of Genesis. I think it's the last chapter in Genesis and it talked about Joseph. And it was something along the lines of what the enemy means for harm, God will use for good to save the lives of many. Mm -hmm. And man, it's so true. Like what the enemy means for harm, God is gonna use for good. Um, And what a testament to that. Yes. What a testament to that. Thank you, Shelly, for sharing your story. Um, and ladies, as we kind of start to wrap up today, I um, just want to speak to this crisis of identity. You know, that's that's going to be part of life, right? We're going to shift and we're going to change and life is going to change and um, whatever is going to happen to us. Um, but, but the thing is, is there is a grieving season to that. And that's okay. You know, like grief is part of that crisis of identity. We're going to go through denial. We're going to go through sadness and depression and anger and uh, bargaining, right? So we're going to go through the phases of grief, but then eventually we get to acceptance and that's when we can really flourish and step into this new identity. And so if you're in a season of identity shift or an identity transition, just be gentle with yourself, just be gentle with yourself. Um, And then the other thing is, the power of community. I mean, I love that your sisters, right? Your friends, your community were who pulled you out and into this new um, season, into this new identity. And so I just want to remind all of us of the power of friendships and authentic friendships and um, being there for each other, even through, especially through the difficult seasons, you know? Um, is there anything else, Shelly, that you want to share or that stood out to you or that you want to add or that you want to wrap up with? Um, just a couple of things. I, I want to say, if you're going through this, this type of identity crisis, the first thing you have to tell yourself when, you, when you're thinking about the past is that it doesn't matter who you were before. It does not matter. You need to stop trying to get back to that person because it's okay that that person doesn't exist anymore. It's okay. You need to figure out who you are now and you need to accept that and love yourself for who you are now. You need to find what brings you joy in life and hang on to that and make sure you integrate that into your daily life. Um, And, you know, most importantly, you need to seek out support and family and friendships, groups, counseling, whatever, whatever it is that helps you. And I just want to thank Nadine for creating Purposeful Living, because I feel like she's gifted you all with this, with this um, group of women who you can share your struggles with and you can pull strength from. And I just think that's such a gift. And it's something that I wish I would have had all of those years ago. So I want to thank you for that, Nadine. Thank God. That's beautiful. And man, this is so good. I love this concept of let her go. Like who you used to be, it's okay to let her go. Be authentically you, look for the joy and find supportive community. Yes. So beautiful, Shelly. Thank you so much for sharing your story, for sharing your heart, for sharing your struggles and for sharing your joys and your, your new purpose. And I love this new identity. I didn't know you before, but I love who you are today. <laughs> it is beautiful. You are Thank beautiful. You. Always and a work in progress. <laughs> always, always a work in progress. And ladies, we love you just as you are today. And we accept you just as you are today. Be blessed today, sisters.
Thank you for spending your time with us today. For more on Purposeful Living Inc., visit our website, purposefullivinginc.org. We offer free coaching, growth groups, events, and have a care team waiting to support you. For more encouragement, you can also find Purposeful Living on your favorite social media platform. Leave a comment, leave a review, and don't forget to subscribe. Remember, ladies, you are loved. You are chosen. You are seen. You are valued. You have a purpose, and your purpose matters. Talk to you soon. We love you.